I'm in a closed suburb uh, myself. Uh, mm -hmm. 4K from the city, like city center's southern border or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's, uh, yeah. I'm probably going to, as long as I live in Stockholm, I, I'd like to live in this area. Like when I was younger, I'd like to live in the city, but now I, I don't want, I don't want to like, I don't want to see a lot of people when I go buy milk, you know? Yeah. I'm more of a suburb guy. I, I lived in the city a little bit when I was a kid. I probably moved out of the city when I was like maybe five. And um, I, I like the space of suburbs. You know, the cities, even, I mean, Buffalo is not a particularly large American city, but it's still a city. Or is it know? like, uh, so, what could it be, inhabitant? I might have asked you, is it like 700,000? Oh, not even. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, we've lost, I think, just because we had a, we had an economic recession that probably lasted like two decades. And so we actually probably lost half the population of the city at that time. We're probably down to, I think we're probably only down to about maybe 200, 300,000 people. So it's okay. not a, it's not a particularly big city. Like Malmö you know? or the entirety of Iceland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. It's yeah. crazy that Iceland so, is 240 or something. It's so little. It's a whole country. That's the thing that like, that's the thing that like we don't understand over here largely I mean, and I have an idea of it, but I, I can't even grasp it because America is so large that, like, it's so weird to me that, like, you can probably hit three countries in, like, a day's drive. Yeah, unless we drive you know? north, like, <laughs> it would be a day of Sweden driving. But, yeah, if, right, you well, yeah, but if you're south, driving yeah, south, yeah. You, uh, you, and, um, hit Denmark, hit um, Germany, you're there within a day. And then if you just drive west or something, you might go to get to the yeah. Netherlands. But uh, Germany is big. France is big. Sweden yeah. is long, so right. Do you have your Sweden fact? We don't by, have down, that. By the way. Do you know how many we are? How many people are in in Sweden? Yeah, no, I've no it's idea. way more than Iceland. I can tell you. Uh, a million? Uh, no, way more. It's uh, ten million. Oh, 10 million? To be fair, 1 million is way more than Iceland. Yeah, stuff. it is. And I mean, I don't know how many live in Canada, for example. I don't know. I don't know Canada. I would guess, like, yeah. could it be 20 million maybe in Canada? I don't think it's that many. I have no idea. But that's the thing. Like, that's really the only, that's the only really internationality that, that we have in my area. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm almost as close to Canada as I am to downtown Buffalo. Are people you know. in Buffalo more Canadian, or is it the border that dictates that? Like uh, um, Americans I are generally, I will I would tell my view of the difference. Americans more cocky, uh, <laughs> and also more social. Um, I don't know. I honestly, I, I the, my best frame of reference would just be, I, I. It's difficult to say if we're more Canadian or people as close on the other side of the border are more American. You know, it's, maybe it's both. difficult. Could it may be both. both. It's yeah. difficult to say because I feel like. That, but like, you're more Canadian than Florida man, I think. Oh yeah, I mean, if you had to, <laughs> if, if you had to ask me if I had more in common, Florida with someone, man is a concept. Is it a concept for you too? Um, I mean, it's not a concept. It's an actuality. Yeah, for you, <laughs> it's yes. Not a, yeah. It's more than just. It's not just a. It's not just a concept. It's a way of life. You know, but yeah, I definitely have more in common with someone in Toronto than I probably Toronto, Canada, than I do probably in like Tampa, Florida. Yeah. Unless it's a member of Cannibal Corpse that's still living in Tampa, Florida, because they're that's from true. Buffalo. In case anyone doesn't in know, case anyone doesn't know, Cannibal Corpse is from Buffalo, New York. Are you recording so that we get that too? I am recording. Yes, I wanted to make sure. So far, 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 so
right, welcome back to another episode of So Far So Pod. So what? Uh, this is Greg. This is Jonathan, and together we are the transatlantic state of the art speed metal podcast. And this is uh, our, I guess, allegedly, well, not allegedly, actually, our uh, one-year anniversary episode. And um, it's been um, it, quite a year it has been, you know? Yeah. It, turned, yeah. it was a, a, a podcast that we had anticipated maybe doing something bi-monthly or... Well, monthly. At, some, we, yeah, monthly, or monthly at, maybe, at best. Maybe an hour a month. Maybe an hour a month. Yeah, yeah. maybe an hour a month. But it, we got into such a vibe and such a run on things that... It clearly look look at the episode count we've um you know we've got basically what what works out to be an episode number you know every and we got over 30 episodes at this point so yep. you know we've uh we've definitely uh done more than we anticipated but it's also something that we were open to because you know we were feeling it and we're having a, a shitload of fun listening to oh, it yeah, we got a lot great. of great feedback from from uh you listeners uh both on social medias and in emails and you know obviously we've you know some of the um actually not even some all of the input and and interaction we've received from everyone has been fucking great and it's it's made things a lot more fun because we know we're not talking to nobody um like i always said i think i might have said it in the first episode if we're gonna talk to no one then me and john will just hang out not record it not record it so yeah so i mean there's definitely people listening and we definitely appreciate that, and we're and we're glad uh, everyone's enjoying it because uh, we are too. Welcome to So Far So Pot So What. This is Dave Mustaine. The greatest guitarist in the history of music and the silent star of So Far So Pot So What. I want to congratulate the hosts, Jimmy and Grant, on their one year anniversary of talking about me. I'm currently on my 62nd year of talking about me. Not that it's a competition, but if it was, I'd be winning by 61 years. But in honor of this historic achievement, I decided to record a little bit of me doing what I do the best, talking shit about Metallica. So here's a list of things that are faster than Metallica in no particular order. One, Megadeth. Two, an ostrich. Three, Nadine, the fastest waitress in my local IHOP. Four, the evolution of the lens eye. Five, an anemic hamster. Six, a regular hamster. Seven, an ostrich, ridden by a hamster. Eight, the Renault Twizy 45, a French electric vehicle with a top speed of 28 miles per hour. Nine, Megadeth again. And finally, number 10, also Megadeth, ridden by a hamster. (laughs) 
so congratulations to Jarvis and Graham on making it longer than I made it with Metallica. Even though I wanted to get fired, I fired myself. Actually, I fired Metallica, and now they make albums under the name Maroon 5. So if you want to hear new Metallica, go listen to Maroon 5. Written by a hamster. And now here's a guy I don't know talking about another guy I don't know. Enjoy. Jay Peters, that was his name. Uh, Still is his name. Um, He was, I I didn't really know him at the time. I don't think I even knew his name. But he, in my mind, was like the cool metalhead because he was a grade ahead of me. And he was dating a girl that was in my grade at the time. So I'd see them together kind of walking in the halls and he would always be, you know, he had long hair. He had a full on mustache in like eighth or ninth grade. I got like a, like a, uh, oats of Holland oats mustache, um, kind of curlyish long hair and always wore a Megadeth shirt. And that was kind of my first introduction. I think to Megadeth was seeing him wearing that shirt and being like, this is a cool guy, man. And I knew he was, like a super smart guy too. He was in all the the smart classes, um, had all the best teachers. Was like a really intelligent guy, um, but I didn't really know him yet. So that's kind of what I knew about Megadeth. And um, I, I, later we would kind of become friends. Um, he was in a band with um, my good friend. Um, he uh, he he played bass. He introduced me to the Red Hot Chili Peppers as well, um, and uh, you know really had a ha- had this really interest real interest in like metal at the same time I did, but then kind of branched out around the same time I did too. So it was really cool. Uh, we would later kind of like jam together and play in you know bands, kind of not never really together, but kind of like bands that were you know, related to each other and stuff like that. And we jammed with the same people and we were friends. So I went over his house one day and I can't remember why, but in his bedroom, he had the full cover of Peace Sells, but who's buying, which he had drawn in pastels and looked awesome. And he was a good artist too. I mean, this guy is like, you know, super smart, um, cool guy, good taste in music, really intelligent, good artist good bass player and I really just like I was like this is my guy this is the guy that I need to emulate uh just a really cool guy with a lot of talent and skill and he's you know he's very funny and very interesting and quirky and um just a really cool guy so I got into Megadeth and I you know listened to a lot of stuff and Peace Cells was I can't remember if I I must have heard that first and gotten really into it and I remember before I even remember seeing the commercials for Rust in Peace when it was going to be coming out so so he was kind of my gateway my entryway into Megadeth in a weird way and I don't I don't know that I ever told him that or if he even knows that I should probably let him know um now uh, because we do still kind of keep in touch uh but just a really overall great guy and uh opened that door for me because i was i don't even know if i knew the dave mustaine story or where he came from or all that but i was kind of into metallica at the time and he opened this door to this whole other band with a with that, that ran parallel to metallica that i wasn't even really aware of so i really owe him a lot um you know, for our friendship over the years, for kind of getting me interested in in playing bass and playing music and 
um, just everything. Just, just um, that's that's kind of that's kind of how I got started with Megadeth and got started on Peace Cells, But who's buying? And I always think about him, and I think about that that cool pastel drawing he did that was in his bedroom as a teenager, and um, kind of the the friendship we formed after that, and how we've kind of kept in touch on and off over the years. I would later borrow his Stingray bass on an extended uh, an extended uh, loan from him uh, until unfortunately he had to sell it and I had to give it back, which, which I still regret. At the time, I had no money to buy it, and now I would do anything to get that Stingray back because it, it meant a lot to me. But um, yeah, here's so this one's for Jay Peters, uh, someone who opened my eyes to Megadeth and kind of started me off as um, being a fan and then becoming really, I think to this day, my all-time favorite metal band. Hi everyone, oh, Lars Ulrich from Metallica here. Um, just wanted to wish you Congratulations on your one-year anniversary of, of Pod and Man. I like what you did there. I, I see what you did there. Oh, very funny. Oh, um, yeah, you know, keep up the great work, guys. Um, you know, I'd give you a bit of cash, but uh, we're on a 72 Seasons World Tour at the minute, and we chucked a fuckload of money at that, man. So grateful that you're doing a Metallica podcast, and yeah, oh, what you're doing about Megadeth? Oh, with that guy that we fired back in 1982, Dave, Dave, Dave Mustaine. Yes, I've met the guy before. Oh well, er, uh, well, good luck to him. And uh, good luck to uh, so far, so what, so pod. Huh? You know, I'd give you a bit of cash, but uh, we're on a 72 seasons world tour at the minute, and we chucked a fuckload of money at that man. But, um, what? What? You, you're doing a Megadeth podcast? Are you fucking for real? Are you fucking joking right now? Oh, that fucking guy we fired back in 1982? Oh my word. Fucking, oh, well, good luck to you guys. We aimed for recording once a month and, you know, releasing once a month. But uh, what happens when we record is usually time's lost. Uh, so we record for four hours sometimes, three, four hours. <laughs> Yeah. And I've been able to use that quite a bit. Actually, the last episode, the very last of season one, Peace Old, is the first time I've uh, used an entire session for for a show. Yeah. So we recorded that for, I think, three hours, and I yeah. took away like 28 minutes. Actually ended up with a backlog of content at times. Like, obviously, the, the Chris Poland episode, that was, what, nine months old before it even aired. So. Fun to, to edit, actually. I told Eric this on, on Made Need to See that... Uh, the podcast, I, I do a little bit of what I call the navel watching, which is listening to my own show. Not yeah. the entire episode, but I listen to 10 minutes or something to get the vibe. And I realize it's quite... Post-production. 
Yeah, that too, of course. But I mean, this is way after the fact. But I realized that it's kind of a diary as well. You get like your your headspace of the time, which is is interesting, and that was certainly the case with the uh, with Chris Poland and a very popular episode too. I remembered almost. I wouldn't say I, I remembered almost none of it, but I remembered very little of the conversation because it was so long. So it was probably the episode I was looking most forward to hearing because I could kind of listen to it as a fan because I remembered so little about the conversation. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> and it's fun to do the the bio type episodes. Usually, uh, yeah. you take the lead on those, and it's nice because you get framework. Uh, like if you analyze a song, it's just a matter of how deep you go. Uh, whereas if you have a timeline, you can bounce off that uh, mm. in a cool way. And especially with someone like Chris, who made interesting music for forty odd years. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to go through. And I I was not familiar with the Return to Metalopolis. Is it called? Yeah, metal, Metalopolis, yeah. I wasn't familiar with that. I love that. It's very much up my alley, you know, back to the mm-hmm. uh, Nintendo. It's kind of Nintendo metal, in a way. It, you know? it is It is very much a little bit, yeah, for sure. our show i was gonna say that uh, maybe in the future we'll figure some way out of creating a m- bit more of a community type thing because we get decent amount of listens good listen amount more than expected yeah. but we don't really have a community like if we post something on twitter it's probably two two thumbs up or three thumbs right. up. right yeah exactly which would have been yeah. sad unless i knew we got a lot of plays and you know i, right. I know people dig the show but maybe yeah. we'll look into that we'll see we'll see yeah i've noticed that just in general it's it's taken less time for episodes to climb into the top 10, which to me is an indicator that there's definitely more people listening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, if you think about it, like 1986 is, is the second most listened to episode and it's probably five months newer than yep. killing is my business one. And there's a few friends that are the truth telling types tell me it's the best podcast episode I've done or produced is 986 and it's also my own favorite episode it's i think it's the one i've had i had the most fun both i I don't even know if i could say that because i've had so much fun just kind of doing this in general but i think as far as like from a, a perspective of just total production and also it's like we got to just be fucking thrashy knuckleheads in that and just talk about thrash and that's obviously i love that shit and yep we got to gas up some records that maybe aren't as well known as the bigger ones. Like obviously records like darkness descends and pleasure to kill are big records in the underground. You know, I can't even pretend otherwise, but they're clearly not as public consensus as records like master of puppets or rain and blood are. So for me, it was really, really cool that we got to talk about some of the lesser known bands and some of the, in the grand scheme of things, lesser known albums and also the fucking, the intro was awesome. Yeah, that was fun to do. <laughs> but you did tell me that you uh, thought it was topped by the the Dave in the studio. Give me a break, Dave. 
<laughs> intro. Yes, that was. Um, <laughs> and that was fun. You... I went to the trouble of uh, separating the tracks of Unchained for that. <laughs> I went that for. Was... I, I have this new AI service. I used that to get the isolated. Give me a break. <laughs> One break coming up. That was magical when you. Yes, when you crossed over into the Van Halen realm, that was. That was on the money. It's things like that that are just constant reminders that um, I uh, I got in league with the right dude for this. He, oh, yeah. Same. When he crossed Dave's, both Mustaine and Roth, into the same intro, I was like, yeah, that's that's my dude. That's my dude. Well, yeah, mine was your description <laughs> of ACDC, actually. That was mine. Oh, the power? It's, yeah, it's it's too powerful. <laughs> it's the power. <laughs> I think that's 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 enough reason for, you know, why it's, do I do this with Greg? It's because of that. <laughs> it's too powerful. It's the power. I just... I can't overthink it. I just have to say the obvious. It's yeah, yeah. it's the it's too powerful. It's the power. <laughs> it's too powerful. It's the power. power. As a final point on the year summary, I would say like our most um, listened to episodes are also like kind of my faves, and maybe surprised me a bit that, for example, uh, Marty Bales was a big one. Yeah, it was because that was a really pivotal period for the band. Sort of your lead type episode as well uh, which i tend to like because i mean i get my nose wet anyway i thought it was weird that that episode came out as well as it did because we really had no visual we basically it was like a phone call episode oh yeah that's true i was in a hotel and the, the digital was so shitty that we Weak didn't really even have a visual yeah and, and, uh, and also the air conditioning was next to me air conditioning was on <laughs> so i, I played yeah, it like right. you were traveling and there was street street <laughs> yeah. noises all the street noises were fake <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> i also enjoyed the doc and cop mini episode because it's probably one of the best stories i have <laughs> no it's a great story you know <laughs> and maybe the only episode in the um cool story what is it cool story what was it Great story, like, cool story. Ni- nice story, I thought. Nice story, like, nice yeah, story. Yeah, right, Tell it to yeah. Regis Digest. <laughs> yeah. Might be the only one that could be a cool thing that the, the whole series is just Doc and Cop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it could be that, or it could be just that no one really listened to it. <laughs> the least popular one is, is uh, Madman Greg, actually. Yeah. Maybe because I put this funny, funny photo on it, too. Maybe because of that, but I mean... <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. We'll see in the future if, if, if I keep dividing like that, or if I maybe go with the Peace Soul style. We'll see. We'll see. Ah, we'll see what happens. I think we have to keep ourselves entertained if we want to listen to ourselves talk about silly shit and think maybe a handful of you will enjoy hear some silly shit. You'll probably hear some more silly shit. Exactly. Yes. We're our own publishers and all that. There are also pods that are connected to uh, a media house or a TV channels even or uh, radio channels. They they might have seasons. Most pods of our ilk don't. But I I decided that a season ended mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Peace Sold. So this is also the start of season two or the recap of season one. And uh, if that was a cool feeling. I think it's the longest, biggest series I've ever done. As a series within a show from 986 up to Peace Sold. And um, even this including, I think, three or four episodes that really weren't part of it. It was eight episodes, 10 hours. And I'm very proud about, uh, about the result. Uh, I'm very proud of it. It was also a lot of work. Uh, even mm-hmm. recording it, I feel like um, our listener, Justin, asked me like okay so what album is next and i was like ah well <laughs> that was a lot of work you know that's a lot <laughs> I, of work yeah i gotta have to rest my ana- analysis brain for a little bit well yeah. with some exceptions but uh, right. uh, we're not gonna tackle a full record in a bit i think 
Yeah, we're going to take a breather from that. And obviously, we don't want to, uh, I mean, we try and keep whatever, as we've addressed multiple times, we're uh, just two dudes culling formats from various podcasts that we like. And Mm. uh, so we want to keep whatever it is we do format-wise, we want to keep it as special and as um, untiresome as possible. We don't want to burn it out for listeners and we don't want to burn it out for ourselves. And I think that, you know, I was definitely, while I'm definitely proud of all the work we put into analyzing the peace cells era, I felt like where we ended it was the right place to end it. I'm, I'm ready to, uh, to not talk about peace cells for a little bit because I mean, we went in depth and we turned over stones and we, we went all in. And um, I'm really proud of that. We did good work, I think. And um, based on the people then, you know, that listened to it. I think everyone seemed to dig it. A lot of people checked out those episodes. So yeah, that was yeah. awesome and rewarding, but it's definitely time to move on to the next phase. And, you know, in the next, um, you know, a couple months, we're going to be starting a process, well, not really a process, but a format where we're going to be uh, interviewing people in bands. Um, yep. Obviously we're going to talk about their bands and we're going to talk about, um, you know, what kind of um, influence um, Megadeth played on either their bands or them themselves um, in their relationship with music. So, yeah, I think that's going to be cool to uh, to pick the brains of some other people and to see uh, what kind of influence in Mark Megadeth has left on other bands or at least other people in other bands. So that'll be something coming up. We got some cool, cool, interesting people to talk to, and you guys will see that uh, shit shortly. But, yeah, I think it's going to be another cool chapter for us uh, and I guess what we're considering the start of Season 2. But... You know, first things first, we did. So we're kind of in no man's land now. Yeah. We're in the in between seasons. (laughs) This is kind of, uh, you know, we thought this would be a good uh, episode to have in between seasons, I guess, just to kind of give us some time to uh, reflect a little bit and toss our flowers and say our thanks to everyone who's listening uh, for season one or year one. And, um, you know, we just kind of wanted to uh, do something special and uh, and really cool for for us and for you. So, yeah. this is what we got in store for this week to celebrate year and season number one. Behold the terror that is risk. Oh, we got you, folks. Looking for trouble? Well, you found it. We've brought back for our one-year anniversary episode your favorite sub-segment, sub-show of your favorite Megadeth podcast, Risk Roulette. <laughs> so it's a it's a show of its own. I think you it's said a it. show within it. It's a show within a show, and generally speaking, um, we would randomize a selection. Um, hence the term roulette, uh, to pick a Risks song to analyze and discuss. However, it's our party, and we'll cry if we want to. Mm-hmm. And I I told Jonathan, I thought we should just forsake for this particular episode the roulette aspect and just pick what we might find to be the consensus worst song on this record. Now, I suggested the song 7. 
strictly because the first riff is everything that was wrong about guitar rock in the 90s. Um, Jonathan, I don't know if if you did any follow-up to find something that could be worse, but my selection or suggestion is the song Seven, because that song fucking blows. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to spin the wheel for my choice, uh, but we should go first with Seven, I think. I think it's the worst song on the record. I can't remember it. It sucks. It blows. It's borderline it's borderline Zima rock. If I can't remember a song, it's usually a very bad one. You know, that it's just it didn't even oh, I'll tell you what, after qualify this, you for wish memory you, space, you know. You'll wish you could forget this one. Again. <laughs> if that intro was on risk, it would be the best song on risk. Oh, maybe. Actually, there's a, <laughs> one or two songs that I really dig that we haven't got to yet. So I know. I just got don't want to yet. I, I'm <laughs> sharpening the axe. Yeah, my palms are getting wet. That's a good song. <laughs> that is true. That uh, that backing vocal is so cool in that one. We're not going to get, probably not going to get that quality here. But so I'm just about to hit seven. I'm just going to say, like, as a thing, I've noticed doing the, the, the only episodes we've done in the Risk Roulette show. I've noticed that, if anything, it's always kind of a fun production to lean into because a lot of shit happening in the production, you know, tons of layers. Maybe not like, maybe they should have pulled it back a bit, but as far as analysis goes, there's usually a lot in these tunes. I wish when they were recording this song that Torben Ulrich was there with them. (laughs) Delete that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so seven it is then regretfully for us and for you the listener it is indeed seven uh, maybe we got some listeners your favorite megadeth track i doubt it though i fucking hope not Oh, you don't hear it? No, I don't hear it. If I'm being honest, I can't say I'm disappointed. As we're solving the technical difficulties, I can tell you about my impression of the beginning of the song. Terrible guitar. With a steady beat. Actually, I don't dislike the riff as much as you, but I can totally see it like rub anyone the wrong way. Not like limited to you. But for me, you know, it's kind of that Mixolydia and uh, fun rock vibe. Uh, very 90s, as you said. Uh, but uh, I'm not hating it so far. <laughs> I really am not. You win yourself. Grotony. Yeah, it's You know what I think about when I hear this? I think about... Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam? Yeah. Oh, that's, that doesn't make it better. No, it does not. <laughs> I mean, uh, my, my co-host, Eric, huge fan. Uh, me, not a huge fan. I And that's the thing. I would I would rather... I'm not a huge Pearl Jam fan either, but I would rather listen to Pearl Jam. I'd rather listen to that song than this. What, sure. what is the name of the song? Even Flow. Oh, yeah. Even Flow. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to... 
hate on Pearl Jam actually. They seem like a nice gang. But uh, well, they, not my hey, style. listen, they went after Ticketmaster at, at their peak powers, and that's uh, that took some balls. So mm. I'll give them props for that. Cool. Yeah. So so far, you hate this tune, huh? Uh yeah. That that I I don't anticipate this listen changing much of an opinion for me on this song. This song is absolute fucking shit. I'm kind of <laughs> that, you that, know part of me that, is dude, enjoying dude, it. Dude, they were dude five years before this, or <laughs> or fucking seven years before this. They they did ashes in your mouth. True. True. <laughs> Well, and now they then they they roll out with this garbage open strum with harmonics and boom 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 and lyrically lyrically it seems to be going for the seven deadly sins here. Yeah, of course, because it's a fucking garbage song before or after the movie Seven with I think Kevin Spacey. This would be after. After this would be after. Probably inspired by the film then, but. Probably the film is way better than this song, though. <laughs> I can't remember. I think I wasn't that into it, but anyway, that's not what we're analyzing. This is Risk Roulette, so let's uh, yes. let's keep it rolling. Everything on red. Yeah. Everything on red. Okay. Come on, Oregon. Why don't you tell everyone how you feel about that chorus, John? I was trying to figure out if it indeed was the chorus, which is not a good it sign. Normally, it's not a good sign if the chorus is, leaves you in doubt, if it's actually the chorus. Uh, possibly the least enjoyable part of the song so far, but still enjoying the song somewhat. Uh, really? Yeah, I mean, not loving it. I know, I think, I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's good. I think it's good when we have a differing opinion. It's kind of fun, yeah. So far, but uh, it sounds like he's heading into a, a, a stupid note now as the beginning of this verse. If you like pull it back like five seconds before you play the next bit, it sounds like he might be heading in for some stupid melody or bad vocal cadence. Uh, let's let's I'll, see. I'll pull it back. And, and yeah, the chorus was, of course, it was a bit of a, what can you say? Well, what, what I would say is shit show. You would not say shit show. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was a letdown, I guess, if you would have expected good, but you really like you didn't oversell this tune. That's for sure. Uh, no. But yeah, no, not, not a great chorus. I've... Not a great chorus. It didn't pop. It didn't pop. You yeah, know. weak chorus. That's bad. Weak chorus. It's weak. All right, let's head on. Yeah, that's not good. Not good. This is really stupid. So that that verse was bad, really bad. We talked about that uh, last episode about like how cool you are with success, and uh, we kind of rather quickly came to the conclusion that if it's contrived or the way you get there is the problem with this one you get both sides of the problem it didn't really succeed so that's bad for, for the band and it's right. contrived 
this verse was super contrived. It's like, that's not the sound that comes from their hearts, you know? So at this point, I'm with you. Like, that verse sucked. That was a shit verse. I, the the thing that I keep going back to is that that first riff. Yeah, I'm starting they, to get sick of it too now, actually. Not, not only is it is it bad, but it's bad, and they beat it to fucking death. Exactly. It just so I'm also keeps starting to loathe it, showing up and showing up and showing up and showing yes. up and it's just such a a bad hokey like you know what it sounds like like anyone who's who's played an inst- instrument but i'll use guitar for a reference mm-hmm. since i play guitar and you play guitar yes everyone has had a, a, a moment whether they're in a practice space or they're in their bedroom or they're on their couch where it's late at night and you've been trying and you've been writing and just hitting fucking walls all night and you're just laying there either on the floor or on the bed or on the couch and you're just putting your fingers on the fret and you're just playing something and you're exhausted and there's nothing good coming out and that riff is exactly what comes out when you are completely tapped out and you have nothing left and you are trying to force something good to happen and nothing comes out but that garbage because you're exhausted and you're not thinking clearly can't argue with that it's true actually and maybe in the early phase of like oh i want to do rock and roll i've done metal so far maybe you write a crap riff like this but actually i remember my first like rock and roll riffs that i did when i kind of got that interest and they were not they well they were better than this i can safely say (laughs) to me that to me that's not even a rock and roll riff to me that is that is peak bad not even like like Pearl Jam had better riffs. Yeah, I kind of want to uh, apologize. Grunge to bands Jam at this point. had better riffs. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it's it's not even like early '90s grunge because nope. at least nope. some of those bands had some powerhouse riffs. Alice in Chains specifically, obviously. Yes, but like this but is almost more. You could also make yeah. some fat riffs no. from at, time to time. Negative creep. You know, that song off of Bleach, I think it's Negative Creep. It's basically like Celtic Frost, kind of in a way, I guess. But like, mm. anyway, I digress. But like, yeah, wait, eons beyond this riff. This riff is bad because it's like, it's almost like that era of, I call it Zima rock because it's to rock and roll what Zima was to alcohol. I don't know if you had Zima over Zemo. there. But Zima is just, it was trash, like weak booze. Just it had no balls. And a riff like that has no balls, which a lot of alternative rock or post-alternative rock in like the mid to late 90s had. Had garbage, lame-ass, limp riffs like... And I've gone from somewhat enjoying it to already by now we're 130 in. It's already been done enough for me to start going over to your side and... And kind of hate on the well, riff. Well, it's because they 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 kill that riff to death. Yes, you know already. They, they they took they took the thing that was the worst part of that song and chose to repeatedly amplify it louder and more prevalent. Like they they like hmm, this is the worst part of the song. Let's make it the hook we keep going back to. Right, and it's um it's garbage, total shit. I complained and, about um, that in seventy two seasons, the title track that uh, it heavily features a certain riff that I just don't like, but it's a way better riff than this, you know. 
I, yeah, th- there's no riff this bad on the new Metallica record. That's true. And it's not a riff strong record, I wouldn't say. That's not the strength of it. But um, again, we're I, I, kind of heading out there. After a couple of lists, uh, not to d- digress too much, I will say compared to Hardwired, I think uh, Hardwired was a better record than uh, this newest Metallica record. Yeah. But that's either here or there. This is a Megadeth podcast. This is, a Megadeth, uh, this so. is not even a Megadeth podcast. This is a Risk podcast right now. This is a Risk podcast. Taking <laughs> the heavy right. risks, putting all on red all the time. <laughs> yes. So let's listen to a bit. All I was right. also going to comment. Uh, there's ham on there, which is something I tend to dig, but it sounds, it sounds like um, afterthought or um, you know computer ham on, kind of like let's um, let's make this lush. It doesn't sound like it was any part of the idea of the song. Like it, it doesn't really carry any um, music with it. It's just a sound basically. The totality of everything that they were going for on this record was ill-advised and um, just, I wouldn't even say ill-conceived, but you can't do shit like this. Definitely the best part of the songs right there. Specifically the Marty portion of the solo. Kind of cool. Marty doing a bit of a Chris Poland thing in a way, you know? Yeah, it was almost like a, a more like um, kind of like a country chicken pick version yeah. of like what, what Chris Poland would do there. But um, no, that's that's by far in a way the best part of the song. And even, you know, the Mustaine version, the Mustaine part of it, the lead. Good too. Started out pretty good, but he eventually he kind of fell off into just kind of some just you know I guess whatever be token Mustaine just repeated kind of classic rock licks or whatever. the The Friedman version or the portion is way better, way better. Quick look at the lyrics here. I guess you know seven deadly sins. Full of greed, you sell your soul. Full of pride, that's already two of them. A heavy load, you eat yourself. Gluttony, three of them. Resent yourself, you envy me, four of them. Everything turns into wrath, five of them. You lost yourself to death. We have five or six even in the first five rows. Uh, deep fears that drive us high beneath disguises. Uh, judge the world is judgment. That, that's not a sin either. Forgive my deadly sins. Procrastination, that's not one either. That he made that up. Always giving up because his son has five jobs. So he never procrastinates. <laughs> I remember him saying that. Like, my son has four jobs. Like, that's not good. You shouldn't have four jobs. You should have one. Uh, something better comes to interrupt. Interruption is also not a deadly sin. Cast your verdict down to me. Spare me your bleeding sympathy. Sympathy is not a sin either. Only care how you appear. But I don't love the lyrics. 
No, I don't love the lyrics. I can't believe that there's still like two and a half minutes left of this song. Too. Yeah, let's hit it again. Let's hit it. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, we're going to stay a rolling here. I'm going to let this roll for a little bit before we stop it again. Good drumming, though. Well played. Whispers some ass. The only thing I got to add is the drums are incredibly well played here. That kind of the Charleston swing. Yeah, I kind of forgot about this part actually. He's, he's nailing it perfectly. He's nailing perfectly. But it, I mean, then Dave start whispering. It sounds like that, you know, yeah. something, some somewhat of a vocal tract with your anus. It sounded like, like not good. Like, yeah. And uh, yeah. he he kind of ruined that bit a bit, but uh, really well drummed. Uh, if there was potential to pull this song out of the fire, it probably could have been right here because they kind of went into more of a, I don't know. Yeah, so like a double shuffle, you know, like a shuffle, yeah. but it's in 6-4 and then you shuffle it within the 6-4, you add like triplets. It's, it's, I like that groove, you know, and a really good snare playing, uh, but uh, it doesn't salvage the song, no. And the lyrics are still not great. No, it's not. I think Mustaine is... He's definitely one of the weaker points of, of the song. And even yeah. his solo section is the weaker of the two. Um, well, it, I guess it tends to be, but maybe he tends, tends to be, to be able yeah, to bring his thing, right? Yeah. Like in Hangar 18, thing, for example, when he's soloing, you don't think like, oh, fuck, I can't wait. Exactly. This is over. Uh, you like it too, right? Yeah, it's a I good compliment that, to Marty. Yeah. Yes. That, that's the word I'm looking for, a compliment here. I think when, he, when they would do their trade-offs in the past, they were... They were different, and you can obviously pick out who was who, but they were complementary. So there was really, for me, never any reason to say, oh, well, this one is weaker than the other one, or this one is stronger than the other, because they they kind of held they kind of held hands, and they worked together well. Uh, this was not the case so much here for me personally, and even there was potential in this shuffle part that you were talking about where... Well, good drumming anyway, really, really good excellent drumming. drumming. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. DeGrasso, he, yeah, he's a great drummer. I mean, he's been... I mean, he, that guy has been world class, you know, world class drumming yes. to keep that beat like he's, that. He, you can't make that in a yeah. computer. You have to have yeah. have it in you. So yeah, good drumming. Of course. Yeah, but I mean, this is it. They could have. I mean, if they had taken it in a more metal direction here, they probably could have pulled the song out of the fire. But they don't. So you they know, I, I agree with Marty. They should have gone more metal in parts and even less metal in parts. If anything, you know, that could have been an interesting. They should thing have been. Do. Yes, uh, and he's. 
And that estimation, of course, in hindsight, it's better to say that now and it makes sense now. But yeah, I feel it's always better to to go to extremes than it is to go down the middle of the road because, you know, that's that's where the magic is. I think that yeah. if you go to those extremes, if they had gone super metal and then had gone super pop, you know, in in the right doses, like that could have been that could have been really something or it just could have been a battle of two records within itself. But even that's, even that inner conflict of a record is interesting to me. So it's certainly more interesting than whatever the fuck they got. You know, <laughs> there's usually some power out there in the outskirts, like the songs that the writer didn't even really want to present to the band. I have two yeah. readily, readily available examples, wasted years. Adrian didn't want to show it. It was just on the tape, started running. Steve is like, Oh, that, that one, because mm-hmm. he thought it was not for Maiden, you know, we're on the coast of gold across the seven seas, but it's one of their best songs. It's a great tune. Absolutely. And then Absolutely. Nothing Else Matters is another example, uh, that, a song that I will keep uh, hyping because I think it's a great, great song. You know, I actually agree with, um, what's his face? Um, Elton John. I agree with him. It's an uh, eternal classic song. It's a great, great track. And that's a similar thing. Hetfield didn't want to show it. And Right. Uh, well, you can't, I mean, that's, that's, you know, again, when you get to that level, song. then it's cool. You know, then when it offsets enough and it's well written. Know, yeah. Uh, uh, offsets and there's no, the, the sound. And that's, that's the thing that the songs you just mentioned, they sound comfortable with, with, and personal. They, they have a personal vibe. This song is not personal at all for Dave. I don't think. No, it sounds give, like he's trying no to make something, he's trying to make magic happen where it's not capable of existing. You know, there's no character not, in this track. There's no character. No, like I, I no. somewhat enjoy the first 40 seconds and I, I enjoy it less and less because it's like, where's the character? Where is the actual tune? Is this a song, Greg? Is this actually a tune? <laughs> is it a song? It's, I don't think it's a song. It's not a song. Like, it's a bunch I, of sounds in a rock modus. Like what I said about the initial riff and how it sounds like just the end of a, of at the end of a, a long night where there's no one's hitting anything but the wall and something like this comes out and it's just like just because it came out doesn't mean it's good it means that your filter was broken and some shit came out and it didn't stop it and then you should just put it back where it came from you know by now it's been three years podcasting i've analyzed more than 100 songs and put it up there you know published it but i've never said this before that i I actually mentioned it just now but it's going to be my verdict it's not even a song Honestly, it kind of sounds like they had two different songs and they just kind of slapped them together. Two different non-songs. Yeah. Two different ideas. Yeah. Yeah, they had two different ideas that were part of two different brainstorming sessions. And I already say, forgot well, the first riff, Greg. How, how was the first riff? Yeah, exactly. And that's idea one. Idea two is... Honestly, like, I feel like... That last part, I mean, it's a pretty neat. Uh, there's at least something there that they could have, they could have, like, they could have made that its own thing. They could have yeah. done something else with that. Kind of Devin Townsendy. Are you familiar with Devin at all? His solo oh, stuff. Yeah, very. Well, I, I, I mean, strapping, I, of course, I know, but uh, the, I have the solo like maybe, got uh, maybe four four of his solo records. So you're probably you know? familiar with the tune I got in mind. If you're familiar with Infinity Record. Are you talking about Bad Devil? Yep. That's a way you can bad devil, get a good... Bad Devil a shits good song. all over the song. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's, it's a good song in that kind of, you know, 
Charleston Shuffle. Yes. But that's really good. Yes. Like, it's good. Something like that could have been made with the second riff to strengthen your point. It's it's not even a bad riff. Van Halen, we spoke, we spoke about Van Halen. David Lee Roth yeah. could have done wonders with this. I mean, he could David have done Lee wonders Roth. with it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the kind of I think that that's what David Lee Roth hears first thing in his brain every morning. Something like he hears a shuffle beat first yeah. thing in his brain every morning. I told the guys in uh, in the podcast will rock that I actually finally got into another album except for um, uh, my favorite. Uh, fa- uh, I almost said Fatal Curse. It's not called Fatal Curse. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called uh, Fair Warning. But now I got into Van Halen too, because you asked me to do, you promised me to do that in the hottest, warmest months. Yes. And I will try that now, because they're, they're coming now. But yeah. I got into it mid-pitch black winter. Like I had listened to some Finnish black metal, and then it just kind of... <laughs> maybe quite, you it needed, came to maybe me. you needed a dichotomy. You needed dichotomy. You need the offsetting yeah. of the weather and the music that is custom-made for the hottest day on the beach. Yeah, and once my neighbors had a party, that was before that, and I love when my neighbors are noisy because that you know makes a bit of leverage and a bit of uh, margin. And I like uh, I would like my house to be almost as noisy as you know when you live in Spain or something. That would be great. Sweden is right. we love our silence here, maybe too much, but uh, anyway, they had a party. I drowned out uh, the bleed from their techno with Van Halen too. Great, I had a great time. It's kind of like I had a party, you know. That's it's an amazing record. Van Halen too. It's a record they made for for backyard parties. It's a record yeah. they made for keggers in California. You know, yeah, great Keg stuff. parties in California. And he would have saved this song. You know, he would have howled. He would have scatted. I mean, you would have. Yeah, uh, he he's a genius. That song well. out of the fire. What a yeah. fucking genius that guy is. Philosopher, American treasure. Uh, absolutely. All of the above. Absolutely. He's one of my favorite philosophers. Top five. He's, he's, there's something about that man. Something I rank him that. above Aristoteles. He's better. I, uh, I'm not going to argue with you. He's better. He's better. <laughs> Plato just level. Even, Plato he level. has. He's just. He's a quote machine. Even something as but simple. But it's so like much he, thought in him, and then he, yes. he, he kind of pretends to be a stupid gigolo, which makes it even better. Yes, I used to jog, but the ice cubes kept falling out of my glass. Like that's good. That's, that's great. That's a fucking. That's a, like, like, who thinks of stuff like I bet you I, somewhere in his house, there is a, a library full of notebooks and notepads of just lines like that written down. I'm a combat hippie. Peace, love, and heavy arms. Another great line he said was, I may not, <laughs> I don't care if I go down in history. I do care if I go down on your sister. That's really good. <laughs> Rhymes, kind of. History, sister. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I have a sister, you too. So that part of it is uncomfortable, but it's uh, still very, very good. With, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> no, it's not I comfortable, it's a, but it's still it's a very a great good line. quote. It's, it's a, a great, great line. line. And and yeah. I think Abath, Abath, I thought this was an Abath line, but it was too good for him. And then I noticed he actually credited Diamond Day for it. And, it, and it's something actually I really go by. And I tell people sometimes when they're, when I think they're thinking wrong. And it doesn't matter if you win or lose, it's how good you look. That's, That's right. a great philosophy. And you can take that yeah. at service value and it's just like, oh, it's very superficial. It's not superficial. It's deep. It's deep. Yeah. 
how good you look, it's you have to understand what he means there. Like so he's saying the whole style, the whole vibe of you. Like when you go down, when you lose, if you do it with style, it's cool to lose. To me, that's 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 a long way of saying I'm never going to lose. I, In a way, that's yeah. a, that's a yeah. long way of saying I will always win. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it's kind of lemmy too. I feel like it lemmy yeah, would be absolutely. right on board with that attitude, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, yeah, Diamond Dave, truly a, a diamond, and and this song, yeah, a piece of shit. Yeah, this song is definitely, um, definitely. Yeah, uh, or, uh, like my version of it, piece of shit. Maybe it's your version. My version is, it's not a song, and it's the it's, only one time I've said this. Analyzing more than a hundred songs, put it on air, put it out there. Never said this. This is not a tune. It's not a song. You know, and and even the shuffle bit. That's I can even say from just it, to be objective. You know, it's like it's a cool part that had potential, but it just has no relevance to the rest of the song it's just two different songs slapped together to make one bad song and then the whispering again it sounds like he actually mic'd up his ass doing that yeah and i mean bad. compared like uh, we just said that bad devil it's way better shit's all over it he's doing like a down pitch stupid thing like that's better yeah <laughs> Seven on your favorite Megadeth album centric podcast, RYSK Roulette. You keepers of the seven keys may recall that aside from Greg's terror pick, John was going to spin the wheel. The hand of fate still points towards that very wheel of no fortune. 
But you'll have to wait until the next episode to find out if the bank wins again. Until then, once again, thanks for sticking with us, and, of course, see ya! So far, if there was ever a genre war in music, the rockers they ain't coming to, they ain't coming from Metallica. It's gonna be the rivet heads and the earth dogs and the headbangers that have the back of Metallica if there's ever a genre war. If there's ever a genre war, rock and roll ain't gonna claim Metallica. They will never ever, 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 ever take Metallica from the metal community. They are ours forever. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care how much you like them. I don't care how much you loathe them. I don't care what Lars Ulrich says. I don't care what anyone fucking says. They're a heavy metal band. They will be ours forever. They will never, ever be taken from the headbangers. Ever. So it is. But I mean, I also throw around rock. I like rock and roll podcasting. I stole that from Pot of Thunder, obviously. But I like the term, you know, and I like to be a bit minimalist with genres. It's like I have a new extreme metal band coming up. What genre is it? Well, it's metal. You know, no. I can't be bothered like specifically saying what it is. You know, no, you can't. It, it it it's too easy, and and it's just like it almost like it takes some of the brain work out of it. Like if you tell someone, and I mean, we all do it. We all make that. I don't even want to say mistake, but we all make that move where, oh, what's the vibe of this? We're like, oh, we're kind of going for like a late eighties creator with like a, you know, late uh, mid seventies bad company vibe. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah, I was going to say that, especially you know when we were like young. If, when we're young, yeah. I'm sure you were the same. Especially then, you had, would have very elaborate descriptions of what your band was playing. Of course, and it makes course, it doesn't make much sense to anyone else. Here's uh, the thing: I think that when you're younger, you really, really don't want to be misunderstood, and you want to be understood crystal clear what your intentions are and what you are. Because obviously, everyone grows up; everyone's trying to find their identity, and no one ever wants to be misconstrued or misunderstood. The older I get. The more I want people to figure it out for themselves, and I don't care what they think about me or what they, you know, like I know what I am. Yeah, that's the best about getting older. Yeah, that's I know what I am. I know what I'm doing. And if people want to know what kind of metal I'm playing, I'm just going to say I'm in a heavy metal band. Um, it's a good description for Fatal Curse, I, I would say. That's that's. I mean, maybe I'm. I'll, when people even, ask me, even hard rock, but that's here. In the yes. States, you should probably yes. say heavy metal. In the yeah, States. I tell people, I tell people, eighties heavy metal, and then, then I kind oh. of let them, let them listen and draw the rest of their conclusions as far as the influences are concerned. Because yeah, I feel like even even saying eighties heavy metal, that's maybe a little more specific, but that's also as equally broad because the eighties there was so much metal that kind of exploded. I would say early early eighties. Heavy metal, hard rock. Well, that's I won't say that. I'll say '80s heavy metal, and the rest of the people that want to listen to it or check it out, they can, they can figure out where. Yeah, because yeah, I'm not sits, in the band, you know? so you know I can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's the thing, though. Like pe- people know, people know, people can figure it out for themselves. And I also, I don't want to take the imagination out of it. I don't yeah, want to exactly. tell someone, oh, you know, we sound like fucking, you know, late '81, early '82, Nawabum. Well, no, that's too specific, I think. That's yeah. too specific, you know? But, like, so I would want someone to, because, like, yeah, that might inspire someone to check it out, but it could just as easily just 
make someone want to say, oh, cool, let me go put on a Jaguar album, you know, or an Angel Witch record instead. I just yeah. say, no, 80s heavy metal. They check it out. They say, oh, this is like early 80s new album. And they either like it or they never listen to it again. But I'm not going to fucking, you know, I'm not going to lay out the footwork for people. Listen to it and figure out how to dance to it yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's because you're less, uh, no, me, I'm talking about myself now, less stressed. Before there was like this stress, like I want to get this out quickly and you kind of want to tell them beforehand what the listening experience is going to be like because you have no chill. Like you're just like, this has to happen now. Whereas now it's like, uh, this is not heading really anywhere and I don't care. I enjoy the whole process. So there's no rush for anyone to figure out what we do that's way different headspace than before. But with Canopy, it was pretty easy because someone could ask us, do you have a bigger influence than Edge of Sanity? I would just say, no! <laughs> Perfect. No! <laughs> uh, even the name kind of rhymes, you know, Edge of Canopy. Edge of Canopy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fucking great. 